0: Life is full of seasons. Every season is marked with a final moment before the transition occurs. These memories, these moments that we realize, at least in hindsight, that were our final moments before that transition, they become defining as we consider those relationships or experiences that we had. We look back on them and we wonder and we think of how did we leave them? What did we distill into them before that transition occurred final moments and relationships that are deeply valuable. Whether it's telling a loved one goodbye for what could be the very last time, whether it's a parent telling a child who's going off to school or joining the military and leaving the home, these final moment types of conversations become orienting to every aspect of our life. We come to a point now in our final words, our final verses, in Paul's final words to the church in Galatia. As he's addressing these words to them, we get an insight into those final moments, into what he's choosing to instill within them, the final emotions and memories and actions and thoughts to this church that he dearly loves like a parent longingly caring for before they make a decision as their child, as his children make a decision that will be consequential one way or the other, whether they choose to stay and to build their life on the gospel or whether they choose to abandon and build their life upon a counterfeit. The wounds of Jesus, the marks of Jesus is what Paul chooses in his final words to remind the church in Galatia everything comes down to. The marks of Jesus leave us with a choice between two options. The Scriptures present for us that the marks of Jesus Christ, for some, it will scare them away. It will frighten them away from turning from sin and placing their faith and trust and identity in the person and works of Jesus Christ. But for others, by God's grace, come before the marks of Christ To them, the marks of Christ will become the greatest of joys, the ultimate and assured of foundations, the source of contentment and rejoicing, regardless of the circumstances that will come upon them in life. The choice is ours as he presents it to the church in Galatia and to us this morning, 2,000 years later in this room. What will I do with the marks of Jesus? Will they repel me or will they compel me? What will be my decision before the marks of Christ? Will it frighten me away? Or will it become my ultimate source of joy, regardless of the season of life I may face? So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18, as we finish this letter of Galatians together that we've had the privilege of walking through these last four months. If you don't have a Bible, please do take a pewback Bible in front of you. You can follow along on the pages. And if you don't own a Bible, we want to give that Bible to you as a gift from us to you. Build your life upon it. Hide it in your hearts. So let's look at the first of these two options. As we deal with the marks of Christ, the the Scriptures present for us in verses 11 through 13, first and foremost, that the marks of Jesus, they will scare many away from following after Him. The marks of Jesus will scare many away from choosing to follow Him. So in understanding this, we want to realize this key truth in verse 11 through 12 that God knows your deepest fears when it comes to following him. Every one of us in this room, God knows your deepest fears and anxieties when it comes to following and trusting after Jesus. Whether it's to lose something you have such an assured grasp on, whether it's something yet future that you long for and you're fearful of, if I will surrender to Jesus, what if that doesn't happen? Lord knows all your deepest fears when it comes to following after Jesus. Let's read together, verse 11 through 12 from the ESV as I read for us. Paul writes, he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, the Judaizers, who would force you to be circumcised, that ceremonial act in becoming a Jew, and only in order that they may, be, may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, in the first century, they obviously didn't have keyboards to be able to work on or typewriters. Instead, they had professional re- letter writers called amanuensis. And So as Paul's letter writer is writing this for him as he's dictating it, he gets to the point where he takes the pen from the amanuense's hand, and with Paul's own handwriting... See with what large letters I am writing to you in my hand. I imagine in the church, for the first time, as they would have been reading this letter across Galatia, that the elder or whoever was reading this for them, as he said that, probably like a good children's book, would have showed it to the church. And the body, even though they were listening attentively. I'd imagine for the words that were to follow, they would have sat up a little straighter. And they would have leaned in and given a little more attention to every syllable that was going to come out of the reader's mouth. It's the equivalent of bolding and underlining the text. Don't miss these final words. And Paul says to the church that he loves like a parent. It is those who want to make good showing in the flesh who will force you to be circumcised. Those Judaizers. We can't understand the Judaizers unless we understand the gospel. And the gospel is this plain and simple, accessible good news to every one of us, Jew or Gentile, regardless of your age or background. There is good news That's what the Gospel means. There is good news for you. And it's good news because the truth is is there is literally bad news for you. The bad news for every one of us is that we are sinful rebels in the hands of a holy and just God. Yes, He is loving and good. Because He is loving and good, He will enact wrathful justice upon sinners like you and I. And there's nothing we can do to erase them. That's the bad news. But the good news is God in His great love for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ would come. Christ, the anointed one, the sent one. That there would be one who would come. He would fulfill all the prophecies like a fingerprint authenticating who He would be. He would fulfill all the demands of the law pure in thought and action. And it is this Holy One, this Jesus, this God-Man, the Eternal Son in the flesh, who came and laid down His life, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. It's this Jesus who laid it all down on the cross in obedience to the Father, paying our debt, defeating death, being buried. He is risen again. He's ascended to heaven. He will come again soon. The good news is that all who turn and look to Jesus alone, not their own resume, but look to Jesus alone, you will find forgiveness of sins. You will find adoption in Christ. You will find holiness in Jesus. You will be adopted and receive new taste buds and new life. You will know the creator and designer and sustainer of your life. That is good news. What the Judaizers have done is they've added to that message. It's not really good news unless you also go back and keep the Old Testament law. You see, if we take the gospel message and we add to it or subtract it, we don't have good news. We have a counterfeit a counterfeit. What Paul has taken the pen and written in bold letters he's revealed for them the true motive of the Judaizers. You see, the true motives. God in his grace has given to the church through Paul the true motives of the Judaizers who make much of them, they butter them up. They tell them everything they want to hear. And Paul says, listen, the reason they're trying to persuade you to join them, the reason they're trying to get you to abandon the gospel is because they fear being persecuted as I have been, as you are, and as they would be if they embraced the marks of Jesus Christ, if they followed after him. Regardless of all the arguments, he's spent this letter disarming argument after argument that they've used. But he says, even though I've dismantled all of your arguments by looking at the Word of God, here's the deal. It's really not about the argument. It's really about the fact that they fear following after Jesus. And that's why they do what they do. Like a loving, caring parent, he warns them, don't build your life upon what they're selling you. Build your life, but only upon Christ. This is the goodness that we have in our life, that even as Christians, even if those of us that know Jesus Christ, that follow after Christ, there are anxieties in every one of our hearts, aren't there? Statements we make to God, like, God, I will follow you. I believe in you. I've trusted in Christ. But please, whatever you do, do not do this. Whatever you do, don't call me to do this. We all long to be embraced, and we have these inner anxieties that mount up and become stumbling blocks for ourselves, even as Christians, following after Jesus. What Paul says is, listen, God knows the true reasons. God knows your heart. So if you don't know Christ, and you were asked this question right now, what's preventing you from trusting Christ? Whatever reason you would articulate in this moment, God knows the true moment of our hearts for why. And for those of us that are Christians, we've been adopted by faith in Jesus alone. Those areas in our life that we say, ooh, I don't want to do that. God knows truly what the motive is under it. And God is like the good parent who when their teenager is in the wrong, the good parent longs for the teenager to come to them and confide in them their anxieties and their fears. So too we ought to as God's children run to him with our anxieties and fears and be honest, God, I fear losing this. I fear giving this up. I fear this change that could be coming in my life. But I know you're with me, and I'm going to you with it. And I'm also going to my brothers and sisters in Christ with it. That's the beauty of the gospel. But make no mistake, the fear of following Christ will prevent many from doing so. Anxieties from within, but secondly, as the letter continues, there's an outside pressure that may divert you from following after Christ. Anxieties from within, but also anxieties from without. You notice in verse 13, we see that the world longs to boast if you avoid following Jesus. The world longs to boast. Though we're talking about the Judaizers in particular, I believe that's easily scalable to say that the world longs to boast if you avoid following Jesus. Pressures from within and pressures from without verse 13 Paul continues he says for even those who are circumcised those individuals that group he says they do not themselves keep the law they can't even keep it but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh you see Christianity is like a fire pole like a greased up fire pole from heaven you could try to climb it all you want and people will claim to have different tactics well if you approach it this way just right you'll make it. If you get a running start, you'll make it. No. That's what the the, the inventions of man are all about in man-made religions. There's something you can do to earn your way, something you can do to at least add to the gospel, but there's nothing. And in reality, before God, it's foolishness. We can't climb one millimeter of the pole to get up and right with God. We can't. The Word of God says it's foolishness. It's, it's as filthy rags. But praise God, it's a fire pole where God has come down to us. He has condescended. The hope of God has come to us to be recipients of, not earners of, but recipients of. That's why it's good news. You don't have to show your credit score. This is good news. The Lord gives him to us. He gives us a right standing. It's yours in Jesus' The world longs to boast if you avoid following Jesus, whether that's some kind of man-made system or even looking at the, the law of God which is good. Remember, the law of God is a good thing. The Old Testament laws of God are not bad, they're good, but they cannot make you good. They cannot make you right with God. Man's might will not make us right with God, but the world will champion you, the world will clap for you, If you will do anything and everything besides abide in Jesus Christ. It's two choices Paul presents. You'll either boast. You'll either boast in the things of this world, the systems of man, the efforts of man, the might of man, the resumes that we build as men and women, or you will boast in Christ alone. That's the choice that faces between us. And this is difficult for us because we all long for appreciation. We all long to be accepted. All of us do. My boy, Uriah, two years old, we have this little Fisher-Price goal in our house, and he can shoot hoops for 30, 40 minutes straight. It's pretty awesome. It's the greatest babysitter I've ever purchased in my life. But you know what he does every time he shoots? Almost every time. If I'm in the room, you know what he does? He'll shoot it, and he'll turn and look at me. Whether he makes it or misses it, he he does that. You know what he does a lot of times, too, before he even shoots it? You know what he does? He wants to see if who's watching. Dad, are you watching? He wants that. He longs for that. Every one of us have this innate pressure to be embraced and championed by others. The world will boast in everything that you do, as long as it's not the cross of Christ. Everything. There's a temptation there. The world longs to champion and to applaud your pleasures, your goals, your purposes, your redemption story, your wealth, your empire, everything that we do, your statuses of life, your decisions, everything. As long as it is not the cross of Christ, the scriptures say, the cross of Christ. It's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. The choice is ours to recognize the danger and the reality of outside pressures regardless of what the world may say, regardless of how the world may mock. The reality is we will boast in the cross of Christ even more greatly regardless of what the world may think. And so we must be aware of the world's instinctual reaction and even that inward fear that we have when it comes to following after Jesus the Christ. Jesus has a way of flipping things upside down and inside out, doesn't he? Sarah's grandmother made for us a a handmade quilt. Incredible. The amazing design that she put into it. To take these pieces of fabric, to mix them together, to go by hand lovingly and carefully and intentionally with a master plan of what it ought to look like. She made that for us. But you know what? If we were to take a knife and to cut that open and fold it out, And you looked at the inside of that quilt, we would see dull fabrics randomly aligned with strings going everywhere. It would look like a total mess. When the world looks at one who builds her life upon the cross of Christ, they look and say, What are you doing? You're doing it all wrong. That's foolishness, that's a mess. In reality, what the Lord is doing in the life of the believer through hardships and difficulties, as we abide in Christ is he is crafting together with intentional love and purpose his children into the image of Jesus Christ. And to that we rejoice, not desiring the world to champion us, but because we have a champion in Jesus Christ. So keep following after Christ. As our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world in Sri Lanka who have experienced terrorist attacks this morning following Christ and gathering for Easter services like this. As those in the world may not champion the cross, as hardships may come, may we increasingly not act out in anger or rage or bitterness or foolishness, but may we cling to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that the world does not want you to boast in. Boast even more in the cross and invite others to boast along with you. For in Christ we have beautiful hope In Christ we have truth, truly. Uh, First, the marks that come from following Jesus may cause many to choose not to follow after him. But to those who will follow after Christ, the marks that come from following Jesus will become our greatest joy. To those that follow after Jesus, that build their identity and hope in Christ, they repent of sin and they place their faith, repent, a change of mind leading to a change of action. They they turn and they trust in Jesus to lead their life, to be the authority of their life, to forgive them and lead them. To those that trust in Christ, following Jesus, the marks of Jesus become our greatest joy. For two reasons, first in 14 and fifteen. Allegiance to Jesus, it brings new taste buds at the cost of old ones. Allegiance to Jesus, it brings new taste buds at the cost of old ones. 14, Paul writes, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Paul, as you know his story, he went from a man who built his life upon persecuting Christians to building his life upon the cross of Christ. The Lord has a way of giving us totally new taste buds. As a matter of fact, he says he makes us new creations. He says specifically by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It takes what we once thought was foolishness or at the very least thought, you know what, it's not foolishness, but it's not for me. Jesus is not simply a good man. He's the God man. And he tells Christians to tell the world about him. So before you came to Christ or when you heard the gospel and you said, you know what, that's good for you, but it's, It's not my thing. That person, by sharing the gospel with you, is demonstrating what God has given as the greatest act of love, the only true source of hope in life. That's the greatest act of love we can show one, is to share with them the gospel, the good news of Christ. He's the one that gives us new taste buds at the cost of old ones. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the call that God gives us. This is the gift that God gives us. New hope, new life, regardless of what you've done in the past, regardless of the guilt and shame you may experience, there is perfect hope and forgiveness in Christ, and that is the good news. That's what the marks of Jesus bear for us, regardless of what we may bear ourselves in this life. That's the good news. Find a maturing individual in Christ. Find one who looks to Jesus, and as the fruit of the Spirit Evidences itself in their life more and more. You'll find that person is all of a sudden met with the reality as you look at their life that says the things I used to do, they don't taste the way they used to taste. But now I'm beginning to long more and more for the things of Jesus Christ. And it leads others to look at their life and say you're different now. You're changing not perfect I'm close enough to see that but you're changing what's happening in your life find a couple that's been married for many decades that love Jesus and are growing in Christ and ask them some of the things that they have endured in their life and how leaning into Christ has been their anchor through it all Find one who's been widowed in her body and ask them, how have you been able to maintain your growth in Christ through all of this? How have you made it through these things? It's as though they're new creations. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. That's how Paul summarizes, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. May we ever be a church, may we ever be a people who long to run after Jesus Christ with all of our lives, regardless of the consequences The things of this earth are fading. They will never cease to fade, and we know this. Solomon presents it, the author of Ecclesiastes presents it as this thing, this wind, this enigma, this thing we long for and grasp for, and it slips right through our hands. We will not be satisfied on this earth. We cannot be. And yet the new taste buds we develop become enriching. Oftentimes, our pastor, staff, Roman, others would tell you this as well. When we meet with people that are considering trusting Christ, they understand the gospel. They know the gospel in their minds. They could write it out for you. But it's come now to a question of the will. Will I submit to the gospel? One of the responses that we most often get as ministers and as believers is, you know what, I don't want to give up the things I'm doing right now. Maybe later. Maybe later. Do you know the story that's given oftentimes by those that you visit that are sick and potentially on their deathbed when you present the gospel to them? Here's what they say. I've had this told to me on multiple occasions as individuals, men and women, laid on their deathbeds. If I trusted Jesus now, I'd be a hypocrite to how I live my whole life. Two sides of the coin of deception. The flesh is blinding. As you hear the gospel, receive new taste buds. Abide in Christ and watch what He'll do in your life. Watch what He'll do in your marriage. Watch what he'll do in your home. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate at the empty tomb. The one that paid our debt. The one that reigns. The one that truly gives us eternal hope. So he gives us new taste buds at the cost of old ones. And our hope in the coming weeks, beginning next week, is we're going to start a series through Psalm 119. One chapter. One chapter. 22 weeks in one chapter of the Bible. The good news for you is it's the longest chapter in the Bible, okay? So it's going to take a while to get through that. But this incredible text, I believe, this gift of God that is all Scripture, but this chapter, I think, will give us insight even more so into what Jesus said in his temptation and his response to Satan. Satan tempts him in these different ways, and Jesus responds in one of those in quoting Scripture, and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I believe in this series in Psalm 119 that God is loaded in the Scriptures for us tremendous insights for what it means to feast in our new taste buds on what it means to live, not by bread alone, but by every word of God. Secondly and finally, the marks that come from following Jesus will become your greatest joy because here's why. Adoption and peaceful stability belong to those united with Christ by grace. Adoption Adoption and peaceful stability belong to those with Christ by grace. 16 through 18. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. It's truly as though we're new creations. And what's the law of Christ? How are we to live? We looked at this in previous weeks. How are we to live? What's it mean to live by the law of Christ? It means to walk by the Spirit of God, setting our minds on the things above, being renewed in the Scripture. The Spirit of God applying the things of the Word of God to our daily lives, shaping our words, our thoughts, and our actions for the glory of God. That's the rule of Christ, to love God and neighbor by being dependent upon the Holy Spirit He's entrusted to us as believers in Christ. In verse 16, he uses this phrase, the Israel of God. Paul doesn't use it anywhere else in the New Testament. The Israel of God. And the reason I think he uses it here, in the final word, these are the final words he gives to the church in Galatia. The final words. I think why he uses it here is for one last moment, like a parent who loves their child, loves their teenager, loves their little one, is to re-instill with them, what do you say oftentimes the last words you tell somebody if you care for them? What do you say? I love you. I love you. What's the way that Paul tells the church, I love you even more so? It's more important than him saying, I love you. You are the Israel of God. Remember the false teachers that have come in have tried to question their identity and acceptance as a beloved people in Christ. They've tried to shake them to the core to say you're not really accepted unless you do something more. And What he's reinstituted in their minds and reinforcing is his last statement Before he goes, oh, Israel of God, showing you are already, church, accepted in Jesus Christ. You are already in the beloved of God. So stop trying to find your value and worth in the things of this world or in your efforts. Your value and acceptance in God has been earned by Jesus Christ and you've already received it. And to try to find it now as a Christian in something else would be like a child trying to emancipate their parent, from their parent, in order to be accepted by their parent. It would be foolishness. And Paul reinforces in their mind, you are the Israel of God. Grace be upon him and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Why? Because what's he have? He bears on his body the marks of Jesus Christ. True peaceful stability will never be bought by anything but unity with Christ. In Jesus Christ, by faith in him, you have peace with God. Let's explain that. Not a ceasefire. You don't have a ceasefire. A ceasefire. Two sides at War with one another. Suddenly, there's an agreement, and now we're not going to shoot at each other. But the second you mess up, back to war. Christian, that's not what you have in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ alone, being adopted in Him, you have peace with God. You have been adopted. You are Him. You are heirs in Christ. You are sons of the living God by Jesus Christ's work on the cross. You've been adopted. You're in Him. You're hidden in Christ, and Christ is hidden in God. That's who you truly are. You can't add to that, and you can't take away from that. That's who we truly are. That's the good news of the gospel. It's yours. But how often do even those of us that are Christians try to find contentment in something besides that truth of the gospel? ever since Genesis 3 in the fall, there's this longing. Ever since we've fallen for that lie in our parents, Adam and Eve, this belief that we can be like God, that we can find contentment, that we can find our identity outside of our Creator, Sustainer, and Savior. We will never find it. But even as Christians, even as Christians, even when I prepare a sermon, even after I preach, I will go home and probably sometime this afternoon my mind will drift to something else where I'm thinking, did I do good enough? Am I really accepted? And my mind will swing from the gospel. And insecurity will flood in. And yet when we sing and we celebrate the gospel together, when we rest in the gospel together. This is what he calls the church, his final two words. What's he call them? Brothers. He mentions grace, mercy, and peace. Brothers. Amen. Brothers and sisters, brothers, amen. Amen means that's the truth. Truly, I affirm that. That's the truth. Our call together is brothers. You can read Galatians alone, but you can't practice it alone. You and I have a forgetful problem of forgetting the gospel, even as Christians, of thinking our value will come in something else. But we gather together every single Sunday, and we contact each other through the week, and we celebrate the truth. We sing the truth. We remind each other lovingly of the reality that, oh, we have a perfect Savior. You are the beloved of God. You are in Christ. Jew and Gentile, all that look to Jesus find a perfect Savior. That's the gift that we offer and that's the gift we proclaim. That's the hope that we have within us. We give together for the purpose of the gospel. We counsel one another for the purpose of the gospel. Is who we are. We're the people of Christ. We are literally, not just a church called grace, we are the people of grace by God's grace. Not earned by us, but lavished upon us. As those in Christ, we are brothers and sisters, and that's an offering to every one of us. And that's a reason to have hope in a broken world that will not cease breaking. That's the good news. There is no other gospel. That's what Galatians is about. No other gospel. That's our call to teach the young ones, to teach the older ones teach our brothers, to remind our brothers and sisters, no other gospel, no other gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the, ne- the last next steps of Galatians. Number one, healing, forgiveness, and holiness are only possible by trusting in the mortally wounded yet resurrected Christ. So here's the question, first and foremost, I have to ask it today. I have to ask it every day. Particularly today and what our text does and how it concludes, if you don't know Jesus as your king, if you've never turned and trusted in him, why not this morning? Why not today? Why not today? 11:43. on a Sunday morning, April 21st, 2019. If you don't know Jesus Christ, why not surrender and trust him today? Why not confess allegiance to him, asking him to forgive you of your sins and to trust in Christ as your king, Why not today? Why not today? Trust him, abide in him. True beauty, true hope, true peace in Jesus Christ. If that's your case, if you've trusted in Christ, we want to know that we were called to be your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're called and you're actually indebted to the people around you to help them grow and walk in their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what family is about. Now it leads us secondly to the next question. The final next steps question of the book of Galatians. As a follower of Jesus, in, the, in what areas of my life do I need to be reminded that my value, what areas of my life do I need to be reminded that my value is hidden in Christ, not in what I do, but it's hidden in Christ? You do business with the Lord. Ask the Spirit of God to search your heart, confess those things to Christ, and share those with the brother or sister in Christ. That's our gift one to another as the people of God. We rejoice because we worship a living hope. Amen? We worship a living hope. So my hope for us right now is that this song would become the prayer of our lives, that this song would mark today for the rest of our days. Would you stand with me, church family, as we sing together?